Pacific Northwest. Here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 217 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for going out to uh, Ron and Don Sit Down, sitting down with us. We just sat down with Gretchen and Byron this past week, and uh, we also sat down... Representing Everett, by the way. Yeah. Everett Washington. <laughs> And we also sat down with Leslie uh, not too long ago. Leslie lives down south, getting ready to bring her home on. It all started with sending out a playbook, and then we all sat down, and then we went and visited the property. Yeah, you can get the Ron and Don playbook now free of charge with an immediate download uh, right off of ronanddonsitdown.com. Click on the little blog thing up top, choose the playbook you want, and it'll just send it to you instantaneously. Yeah, we got properties coming on down south in Normandy Park, uh, right here in Queen Anne, over in Ballard up towards Everett and over on the east side too. So, And don't forget, if uh, you're looking to buy, we're talking to someone in the UK right now, right? And his name is Ollie and his wife, and they're thinking about buying here, uh, finding a home that they can maybe add an ADU or a DADU to. And I know a lot about that because I've added those currently the house that I'm sitting in right now, and I'm building one in the backyard. So if you have questions about ADUs, DADUs, some people call them DADUs, detached accessory dwelling units, an ADU, uh, an attached dwelling unit. Uh, just reach out and you can find us at ronanddonsitdown.com and we can sit down and come up with a strategy uh, together. Uh, coming up on this show, a little different today, uh, we did something really cool the other day that I really appreciate about Windermere. Is, and Windermere, of course, is now in 10 states. There's over 7,000 agents. And Windermere actually started right here in the neighborhood of Windermere. That's crazy. Here in Seattle. Yeah. So anyway, this is the thing that I loved. We kind of had our annual kickoff. And they did two things that I want to kind of do with Ron here on the radio. One is they had Russell Wilson's brother come and speak. His name is Harrison. And they also had Russell Wilson's brain coach come and speak. So we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of things that we learned there. And then they had The Economist come on. Our company has its own economist. And he talked, to, and I don't think we have time to go over all 10 things, but he talked about 10 things that we should all be thinking about as we head into 2021 and 2022 when it comes to real estate, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to COVID, and where all this is heading. So we're going to share a couple of those things with you a little bit later. And also, it seems like the CDC said this week, hey, it's time for kids to go back to school. But a lot of teachers unions, like we saw over in Bellevue, there was a big pushback. But it does seem like some younger kids now are getting ready to go back. So let's pivot. Start here. Windermere, the big kickoff. There's over 6,000 people online. And I tell you, I had never heard Harrison Wilson speak before. He is a wonderful speaker. In fact, they should have left him on for the hour if they could have. He was really amazing. I was very energized by him. And he talked a lot about this business that he's created with his brother. And they have gone out and they have hired people that are brain coaches. And we actually heard from one of the brain coaches 
uh, Harrison brought him on. And this particular brain coach not only works with Russell and the Seahawks, but he works with the University of Alabama, University of Florida. And they talked about, and he talked about, really training people, whether you're going to be a great athlete or whether you're going to be a great seller at Windermere, whatever it's going to be, about coming to a place in life where no matter how high you get or low you get, no matter high or low the moment, to try to be able to keep your brain in neutral, right? Tell us about what you learned the other day listening to Harrison, listening to the brain coach, and also about trying to keep your brain in neutral because this is one of the reasons why you and I have gone to cognitive therapy to see if we can stay in the moment and if we can keep our brain in neutral because there have been so many highs and so many lows in our broadcast. Can, right? can I make a confession here on the Ron and Don show, but don't share this with our boss? All right. I logged into the Zoom yeah. and made sure that everybody saw that I was there. Yeah. Then I had to run across the street to meet a drywall guy who was putting a bid in on my condo that was flooded over Christmas. Yeah. And so I missed the first guest speaker. I missed- <laughs> then I met with the drywall guy. I ran back across the street, came into the meeting, and then made a bunch of comments and stuff, so it looked like I was there the whole time. Okay. And so I missed this part. You did. Okay. um, But I understand the concept. Don't tell anybody. I so don't you. don't let anybody nobody, know nobody ever find that out. I had to run across. <laughs> and I'm sure people do this with Zoom a lot where they'll put up like a still picture of themselves. Yeah. And then you run across. You got to do something else and you come back. So I did that. Sorry, not sorry. I need to get my, my condo repaired. But the, this concept of staying in neutral is is actually really hard. This has been a very rough month for me uh, mentally of, of being displaced out of my home. Uh, all my stuff is in storage. I sort of have a very limited wardrobe right now. Uh, so I'm wearing the same outfits all, all the time and just uh, washing them. I have, I have seen that shirt a number of times yeah. this week. And so <laughs> I, just, I just pick it up, fold well, it when I go to bed. I'll be wearing on the Ron and sit down Zoom call today. Oh, interesting. It's yeah, because I don't, I, don't I don't have any clothes. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, it's been very difficult um, to not obsess about the past, not obsess about the future, you know, and I'll, I, I've had people when they see that I sent out the video in the newsletter of the flood that I went through, um, you know, people like get up in arms and, oh, you better sue these people and sue the city. And it's like, dude, I, I do not have that is not being in, in neutral. If I'm going <laughs> to if I'm going to live in that the worst possible moment before yeah. Christmas, like that does not get me anywhere. Yeah. Like I do, I do not want to be in litigation with the city of Seattle utilities department for the next five years yeah. uh, over the fact that my condo flooded. And then also in the future of like, Oh my God, who's going to fix this? And how do I get that repaired? And, and when do I get my settlement check from the insurance company and who's going to help me? Like, so it's been hard for me to remain in neutral because I'm constantly living in the past of like, how did this happen? I thought I had that fixed. That really sucked. What got damaged? You know, going through all of those things and how am I going to get living in the future? How am I going to get this fixed? And and when is it going to happen? And when can I move back? And when's my life going to be back to normal again? This is very disruptive. And so I've been, uh, I I kind of fell off the train tracks there for a couple of weeks, which I'm I'm trying to be kind to myself. Uh, That's one of the things that I've I don't know if they brought it up, but that I've been trying to embrace is like give myself a little bit of grace and going, okay, that's, 
you get a pass. It's okay that you fell off the train tracks for a little bit. And then the second thing is just to like find a practice. And I, I read this with Seth Godin this week. Define what your practice is going to be. Repeat it over and over. And eventually it's going to pull you out of the rut. And so I had given up most of the elements of, of my practice. And so I'm just re-embracing that. Even if it's just my, my thing is I need to do mindfulness in the morning, some sort of like yoga or walking or some sort of physical movement, uh, a little bit of journaling and some reading that's not about the news. Those, that's my practice. And if I do that, my day is a lot better to set an intention be grateful for something and do this. It only take like if I'm bare minimum, I can get it done in 45 minutes. You know, meditate for 10 minutes, do 15 minutes of, of yoga, write down one page of a journal and, and read a couple pages of a book. Like I can get it done and it just makes my world better. So I've just, that's been my thing to stay in the moment. Like got to get that in. And if I can get it in first thing in the morning, uh, it's night and day. Uh, and the last one is is write down what I eat. If I write down what I eat, I can keep uh, on track. If I don't, next thing you know, I'm I'm knee deep into something yeah. I shouldn't be eating. The, the The reason why the practice is so important, and and even there was some research out this week that talked about uh, being grateful for more than five things, maybe twenty things, uh, or writing those things out in the morning when you're journaling. Or in the evening, maybe when you and I write at all different times during the day, and I have journals and I write online and I keep notes. And when I'm driving, I had things. Uh, a friend of mine gave me some paper that you can write on in the shower, so I do that because a lot of times you get great ideas. Or when I'm out on a walk, sometimes with Charlie at night, I'll get an idea and then I'll come back and I'll write about that. And and the important thing is. When things are going good, that's when you really have to practice mindfulness. When things are going well, that's when you really have to, whatever that practice is going to be, because what you're doing is you're, you're taking time to acknowledge yourself and to invest in yourself. Because then, bam, when, when the flood hits, uh, figuratively or literally, like it did at your house, you, 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 you can handle it. Because here come all these emotions, and because you have sat with yourself and you have prepared for this time, making sure that the highs aren't too high, too high and the lows aren't too lows, uh, too low. R Russell Wilson talked about this when he throw, threw that pick in the Super Bowl. When he went back in the locker room, the first thing that he said to his brother when he saw his brother is, "You know what?" He goes, "I'm the perfect person to have this happen to." when he threw that pick in Arizona. Because for a lot of football players, that would have wrecked their career. And for him, that was a launching pad to do more. And right now, after nine years in the NFL, he is the winningest uh, quarterback ever in, in the history of the NFL after this year. After they, and, and because he practices mindfulness and because he practices staying neutral – you can see him in games. We saw this in the NFC Championship game a number of years ago against the Packers where they were getting blown out and he was throwing pick after pick and turning the ball over. And then the final moments of that game, he brought the Seahawks back and they scored, they scored, and they scored again. Because even within the confines of that game, in a crowd and a national audience and all the pressure that you would feel, 
uh, he was able to make sure when he threw those picks, he didn't get too low about it. He was able to stay neutral in the course of that game and bring his team back. And, and I think that's why for all of us, it is so important to just take some time during the day to acknowledge yourself, to invest in yourself, to read a little bit, to write a little bit. So when those moments happen, and I was talking with, with my therapist about this this week, about being mindful and about being neutral. And, and when, when you practice this during the good times, when the, when the crap hits the fan, because it doesn't mean there's, it, it doesn't mean that the crap's not going to hit the fan. It's going to. It's still gonna. But the difference is, you're going to be able to handle it much better well, and, and, thing- not spi- and not spiral out of control. And and if you draw a line in in times where you've been very stressed or something has happened or an important person has died, whatever that is, and and you were able to handle that. I bet you were doing things in your life where you were taking care of yourself. And in the moments where these things happen, because they happen to all of us, and you spiral out of control and you get stuck in those mind loops, I can always draw a line right back and go, you know what? I haven't been doing my work. I haven't been investing in me. I need to continue to do my work invest in me. The other thing I, I took away from it that I just thought of, uh, even though I missed the, the guest speaker, <laughs> is that um, Russell Wilson and his brother, they put their money where their mouth is. Sometimes, you know, we don't hesitate to spend $300 a month on, on food and beverage or we'll buy a new pair of headphones or whatever. And yet if, if we wanted to hire an expert or do a class on mental training, or get a massage, or talk to your therapist. I, I had recently changed insurance, and you and I were talking, and you're like, how can you not afford to go uh, to a therapy? And so, uh, but it was like, well, my copay changed. And it's like, is there better money that I spent? Like, is it better for me to go to buy a coffee at Starbucks every day for five bucks, or to spend that money on, on therapy? Well, the answer is obvious. So like taking those time, and yet most people don't do that. Yeah. Meet with a nutritionist. Meet with a, a, a physical coach. Yeah. Meet with someone that uh, is a financial expert. Like I met with a financial expert this morning. And it's like, show me how to, like you're charging me, they're going to charge me $250 an hour, which is a lot of money. But if they can save me five or 10 grand this year, or show me how to structure something in our Ron and Don business that over the life of the business might save me tens of thousands of dollars. That's a good money spent. So yeah, it's expensive now, but it's going to set me up uh, for the future. So I think that many people are hung up on that. Like go meet with an expert, invest in yourself, uh, invest in, like if you struggle with your weight, invest in it, spend money on it. Get an expert to show you what to do, uh, and the dividends will be self-evident quickly. Yeah, it's good. If you're looking for a great public speaker, Harrison Wilson is awesome, you guys. Really, really good. He's great from across the street. <laughs> so check him out. Uh, we come back. We heard from one of the world's best economists, uh, Winterbeer hired him, and he talked about real estate. We talked about the economy, we talked about jobs, we talked about housing and where all this is going. We'll tell you what we learned on the other side of this.
Life comes at you fast. If it's time to downsize, upsize, or right-size your home, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Kim Webb. Hi, I'm Kendall Webb. I'm actually from Colorado. We had always hoped that someday we would be able to move here. And when COVID hit, he was able to request to work remotely permanently. We found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And so what that created was a situation where, shoot, we're not prepared to sell the house in Duval, but we're gonna have to do that quick. We did the Ron and Don sit down. Ron stepped right in, sent us all the comp information. Don sent us a list of all the things that we needed to begin to consider. Don, he was all over my property. Uh, helping me uh, get the the landscaping pulled together, um, making sure that it was going to show well. We ended up placing it on the market where we felt we would be happy uh, if we got that number. And as it turned out on offer review day, we had five offers that were well over our expectations. We were absolutely ecstatic. The sale price was 55K over ask and that just blew us away. They negotiated the absolute best price we could have gotten for that home. We are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Sign up for the nation news at ronanddonradio.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to Ron and Don Show, episode 217. And you just heard uh, from one of our great clients there. Uh, don't forget, if you want to do what they did and get a Ron and Don playbook, whether you're a buyer or a seller, and whether you're doing something this month, this year, next year, uh, go to ronanddonsitdown.com, right? Yeah, you can get the, the playbook free of charge. All you got to do is click on that blog link at the very top. Uh, choose your playbook, enter your info, and you'll get it instantly. Yeah. All right, let's talk about The Economist. Did you, did, did you at least... Here, I was there for the Economist. The yes. Economist, uh, and you've interviewed him before. Uh, tell me what you learned from Windermere's Economist. He's the great first one. thing I learned is if you have a British accent, you just sound smarter. <laughs> like he absolutely, yeah. I sort of want to have a British accent now because it just makes you sound smarter. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I learned. Um, the one that jumps out to me that I think is going to be super interesting is his idea that, or not his idea, but his reporting that look for a lot of, of hotels to possibly get converted into living spaces, into, into condominiums or apartment buildings. So I, I started thinking about that. And, you know, as I drove through downtown Seattle of going, huh, like how it would be interesting to take um, a luxury hotel, let's say, and have that be like, I've stayed at like Sorrento, for instance, which I don't think they would do it, but there's some rooms in there where it's like, I've, I've stayed in before where it's like, if this was a residence, like if you put a kitchen in this room or in this, is a suite, like this would be a pretty cool place to live. So thinking about he says that's on the horizon, that's on the table, that some of these big, uh, big hotel chains and also smaller chain, like the boutique style chains are hurting right now. And so they might have to spin off some properties and have them be converted into, into residential housing. So that I found a very interesting, I, I also found um, basically him saying that the cost of money of loans is still going to be relatively low for the, the short term and that we're going to see housing prices continue to rise this year. And so a, a lot of people like to be, um, 
doom spreaders to be like, oh, everything's going to hell and COVID, this, that, and the other. For a city like Seattle, we really have two universes happening at the same time. If you are in tech, remote worker, white collar worker, you are in a completely different situation than people that were service workers, more blue collar, that have been severely impacted by COVID. And so I think paying attention to both worlds, like I want to have my foot in both worlds of being of assistance to people that have uh, been on one side of the coin and maybe want to upsize or move into a different house. And also hopefully being of assistance to people that might be buying their first home because money is so cheap. Yeah. What about what we saw in San Francisco where rents have gone down? I have a friend who was living in Tacoma. She just moved to Seattle because of the, some of the rental deals that you can get. What do you think is going to happen with rentals? Some people have thought, well, maybe some of these new buildings that are going up that were supposed to be office space, maybe those will be condos. But he talked about the fact the way that these buildings are built and with the infrastructure, uh, it would be cost prohibitive if these buildings are already built to convert those. You could convert a hotel or a motel. It'd be very difficult to convert an office building. So he tabled that. But what was kind of your thoughts on... Because because he ad- he addressed in San Francisco a lot of a lot of people have bought homes in Sacramento, but people that have lived in the Bay, you and I have lived in the Bay. The Bay and Sacramento are two completely different lifestyles. If you're a Bay person, you're a Bay person. I see the people in the Bay going back, uh, and I also pe- see people here in Seattle going back. We we had this one condo on Queen Anne. It's the longest we had a property on market. It's on over a hundred days. Last year, nobody was looking at it, and we kind of knew that. Then we hit the holidays. Then we hit the first of the year, and all of a sudden, that door started open. Bam, bam, bam. Next thing you know, 30 groups had gone through, and someone's inspecting it right now, and they're purchasing this condo. The condo is 1,000 feet from the Space Needle, and a lot of those condos weren't moving. It seems like there is interest, uh, once again, at least down in the core of Seattle. And for people that have predicted that there's just going to be a run from the urban areas in some of these big tech cities, uh, there are still going to be people that want to live within the shadow of the space new. Yeah, I agree with you, especially if you're um, straight out of college and you got a job at one of the big tech firms because you're a gifted programmer. You want to live in downtown. Like, that's your deal. Especially, uh, the one thing that I found interesting, and we've had a few uh, clients uh, at Windermere, like I had one client that was from from India, and um, you just, you live in a high rise. Like that's what you like. You, there's no such thing as a single family home from where he grew up. And uh, he works at one of the big tech firms and he's like, I want to live in that building right there because that's what we do. And he's not young. He's, I think he's in his fifties, but he's like, that's I, where I grew up from. This is the type of building yeah. that I always wanted to dream of living in. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. Cause he, he brought this up. What do you think is the number one question that people ask me when they're from tech and they come and they stay at one of my Airbnbs? What's the number one question? Uh, how do I get Uber Eats yeah. to the house? What do you think the number one question is? Um, I don't know. High-speed internet. Mm. They all inquire about the high-speed internet. I'm going to be there for 30, 60. I have someone right now that's in one of my Airbnbs for six months because I had to pivot uh, when the Airbnb business went away. And I, I had to pivot and say, okay, I'm going to have to make some of these longer-term rentals. And I didn't want to sign a year lease with people 
because my fear was they would stop paying rent, which people have done. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rent things out 30, 60, 90, 120 days at a time. They always ask that question. And he brought up the fact that that's going to be an issue for people that are like, I don't want to live in the urban area anymore. I want to go live out in the woods somewhere. It's going to be an issue if you're living out in the woods and you don't have access to high-speed internet. You go through that when we're in the middle of a deal and you go up to your property uh, and it's hard for you to get online, right? It so, is. There's, um, so that's, that, that, that's an issue that I hadn't thought about. And he brought, he, he brought that up. He said that, that'll keep people, wherever there's high-speed internet, you'll, you'll see group, big groups of young people that need that high speed. So. Yeah, and there, the digital nomad thing. There's, a, I think, an Elon Musk-backed business called Starlink, I think it's called, that is coming out with like uh, a satellite internet for people like me that have like a cabin or whatever. Uh, I, in, but I think it's like a hundred bucks a month and I'm sort of investigating it. Uh, I know it's being a cheapskate, but like it would be, uh, amazing. It's not though, because everything's a hundred bucks a month. And at the end of the day, you're just like, wow. I like, I signed up for Hulu the other day cause I wanted to get a sporting event that then got canceled and I didn't get to watch the sporting event. That's $72 a month for Hulu. 72 bucks 72 bucks. what kind of hulu do you have i don't know that's what i got charged i look at the charge and they charge me 72 dollars and of course they always give you the first month free thinking you're not going to be paying attention well, you got the wrong and then plan. On, the, on, the, on the on the second month you just get whacked and then it's a lot of work to go out there and cancel these plans right i got the hulu i spend most of my time every day now just trying to cancel things that i accidentally signed up for <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> Please hit subscribe. Please write a review. Don't forget to sign up for the Ron and Don newsletter at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, uh, guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. And we really appreciate it if you just go out to ronanddonsitdown.com. And uh, grab one of our free playbooks if you're thinking about buying. We're, we're practically economists now. Yeah. Because we, we listen to an economist. Yeah. You can also get signed up for the, for the newsletter there, which we really appreciate. Before we get out of here, a lot of pressure now on teachers' unions uh, to get kids back to school. I think it'll be more helpful when teachers feel like it's going to be a safe place for them. The CDC has come out. And this this is the science I don't trust. Because they they, they have said that schools are not big super spreader events. I have not really been sick at all this year. And one of the reasons I haven't been sick, and my feeling is, is because my son hasn't been going to school. When my son goes to school, especially when he goes to school at the beginning of the year, he starts coming home with stuff, and I always end up getting whatever he is bringing home. So for the CDC to say, yeah, we don't see these schools as super spreader events, I don't believe that, uh, especially when you look at colleges and universities. Uh, one of the reasons why kids can't go to football games is because they're huge super spreader events. One of the reasons why they say, hey, if, 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 if kids are going to school at the University of Washington, when it's Thanksgiving and Christmas, don't go home because you can end up spreading COVID at home. So that is the one piece of science that I don't trust. I don't see how a school cannot be a super spreader event. And I do care about those older educators. And I'm with the teachers union. Until some of these older educators can get uh, their vaccine and get it safely, uh, I don't think they should be spending 10 hours a day at the school and in the classroom. I'm, I'm with the union on this. And even though... Are they wanting them to go back this school year? 
or wait till next yeah, year. Yeah, and I want my son to go back this school year. He's a fifth grader, top of the heap. He has gained a lot of weight, uh, and, and we move as much as we can. And I certainly don't shame him for that, but I know it bothers him. And I, we just move as much as we can, and, and we eat the best we can. And he doesn't even eat a lot. It's just he's not moving. He is not moving. And sometimes the schoolwork is so overwhelming because you don't have a teacher there to kind of help and explain. And these teachers are doing the best job they can do. But trying to keep, as I shared before, trying to keep all the kids online at one time. I don't think it's unreasonable as a parent to difficult. say, if we are going to do this, everybody gets vaccinated. So that just needs to happen. Well, kids aren't going to get vaccinated. Kids are going to be the last ones in line to get vaccinated. So, and that's just the way it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to be one of the last ones in line and children are going to be one of the well, last ones. Well, why would you not vaccinate everybody? Well, because you, because if you wait to vaccinate everyone, we will be sitting here at this time next year, and kids still won't be. Well, in no, school. I mean that's what I'm saying. The, the federal you, you, government should step in if we're going to do this and say that's a priority. Teachers are a priority. Yeah, then, and then, then we need to make it a priority. The problem is though, it's state to state. So here we had a local, and I, I shared about this in one of our last episodes. We had a local tribe. They were given vaccinations to vaccinate their people. They had some left over, and then they ended up giving it to a school district up north. Those teachers getting vaccinated, and now they're saying, hey, we, we, we feel comfortable going back to the classroom. So where my mom is in New Mexico, one of the reasons why she didn't get her shot, they were going to give it to everyone 65 plus and older. And then they said, you know what? We need, to, we need to get the kids back. We need to vaccinate the kids. So they pulled the shots from the older population. They started giving it to the teachers. Older population got really pissed off, and now they're they're saying, okay, now we're not going to vaccinate the teachers, and they're going back to the older population. So, so these are states they they just haven't figured it out on their own. Uh, and the federal government right now, you know, Joe Biden's only been in office for a number of days, and by the time you hear this 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 podcast, maybe a couple weeks. Um, yeah, it, I mean, that would be it's, if it's, it's, it's it, it, logistically, it's just going to take some time. But we do need to push teachers to the front of the classroom. But if they're going to stand up in the front of the classroom, I don't see us going back without teachers being vaccinated. Oh, I agree with you. I think it's teachers and students, especially in junior high and high school. So, um, yeah, if that whatever, I don't think it should take a year. I think that you can um, ramp up with Moderna and Pfizer. There's some other um, Johnson and Johnson is coming out. They say that they are ready to make uh, a billion vials and a hundred million of those vials. Uh, will be produced for folks right here in the United States. And the Johnson & Johnson, the interesting thing about that is they believe you don't have to have a second shot and it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So it's one of the reasons why the Johnson & Johnson shot, they'll be able to use that in different parts of the world. But I, I really feel for you. I feel for your son. I want him to be able to see his friends and to go out to recess and, and to play. And so, yeah, but that can't happen fast enough. At the same time, I always try to remember, this is the fastest in human history that we've ever made a vaccine for anything. Yeah. So, uh, and, to, and to balance that, we have to remember, there are more school children in school, the number two school district uh, in the country is back east. And in that particular district, they have 235,000 kids, and already 21 of those kids have committed suicide. Uh, we look at the Capitol Hill riots, and now we have a second officer. We had one officer killed with a fire extinguisher. First officer committed suicide. We have a second officer that committed suicide. So this is taking its toll as far as mental health goes. Whatever we're doing, whatever the plan is, people just need to get out there and explain it over and over and over again. And I give credit to Governor Inslee. He has really tried – 
to do that. And it's difficult when you watch him sometimes. I'll watch him online on my phone, and he'll be given an update. And you just see him getting trolled, man. No matter what he says, he's just getting trolled the whole time. So I just turn off the comments. Uh, and, I, and I wonder, I, I can see why the mayor of Seattle doesn't want to run and be the mayor of Seattle again. Because you just get trolled. And this is a very, very difficult job. It's a very difficult state to be a politician in. Because no matter who you are and what you do and the chair you sit in, nobody's going to love you. If you're the governor, they're going to hate you. If you're the mayor of Seattle, they're going to hate you. They're going to make fun of you. So it's a very, very difficult spot to be in. But once again, we need these leaders and these politicians to get on the same page and explain to us what the process is and what the rollout is here. Because it's weird to me that you're in Bellevue, Kindergarten through second grade is going back to school in that school district. Uh, and here in the Seattle, the city of Seattle, no one's going back. So, But then you go by the play yards after school, and you see kids out in the play yards, um, which they weren't allowed to do before. So in some ways, some kids have gone back to school. For us, it's a little late because we're still doing homework. And then it's dark and we don't get to go play in the play yard. So anyway, hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by. Listen to this episode. We really appreciate you for that. And we appreciate you reaching out to us and the sit downs. The sit downs really, really mean a lot to us. Uh, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Um, I like what our friend Randy said, who we sat down with the other day. He said, you know what, you guys, it's not about the transaction for you. It's about the trust. Not the transaction, it's about the trust and the trust that you feel in us and we feel that when we sit down with you and the friendship. So we really appreciate that. It's not about the transaction, it's about the trust. And I like what Steve said in our Zoom. Is this on? Can you hear me? Is the camera work? Can you can you see me? I can't see you. Can you, is this, hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Can I'm, you guys, hello? I'm so paranoid when I'm just monitoring meetings now. I, I take my computer screen and I turn it all the way around. So I, it just, so you can't. And then I like, will cover it with a towel. Cause I'm just afraid if I'm in the shower, I want to make sure that that microphone is not on. And I'm just monitoring this meeting that's going on that I don't have to participate in, but I have to be there. Uh, You're watching meetings in the shower. I'm listening to. Them. Huh? Yeah. And sometimes I just got a shirt on. Huh? your head up and your shoulders back keep your clothes on we'll see you next time only only on the ron and don radio network Uh hey thanks for listening to the ron and don show now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage Ah! i'm not (laughs) kidding